Hi, I'm Jeff Galloway, and you are listening to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We feature destination races from across the country. And after the race, we take you on a tour of the best local food and beverage to celebrate. So whether you are an elite runner or a back of the packer like us, you'll know the best places to accomplish, explore, and indulge on your next runcation. Hey, welcome to the Runny Drink Podcast, episode 112. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your host, or co-host, Dana. Yes, well, you host. Sometimes. Co-host, it doesn't matter, tomato, tomato. Well, you put me in front of the camera earlier when I, <laughs> I finished my my fourth run and the sixth run of, or, or four out of six runs in this gauntlet challenge. Man, I can't talk. Well, no, you're doing great. We'll fix this in post. It has been horribly humid and hot. And I will tell you that on our days off, I am so guilty of hitting the snooze button and not getting out there early in the morning. And I know as the run gets longer, the long run on the long run weekends, we're going to have to get up earlier. You certainly are because you're still training for the Chicago Marathon in October. I, on the other hand, just need to get up at my normal wake-up time and knock my runs out. And I know. I'd be happy. But on so my, we don't fight the sun. Yeah, my first day off coming off of my long week uh, today, that yeah. just didn't happen. And it, it, But it was important to get the run done. So I applaud you because this is not only part of our Gauntlet Challenge series, but it is also, as we record this, May the 4th. It is. And for those who don't know, that is um, the unofficial holiday of Star Wars Day. So May the 4th be with you. Happy Star Wars Day, everybody. Yeah. And tomorrow, of course, is Cinco de Mayo. So on this week's episode, we're not <laughs> only talking about the, the uh, third and fourth run in our six-run 60K Gauntlet Challenge. Yes. We are also going back a little bit to a restaurant we discovered on mm. our way back home from the Donna Half Marathon weekend back mm. in February? Yes, at the very beginning of February. That was the last time that we traveled. And we were very smart to say, we need to get some great photos of this place. Yes. Take some notes. This yes. is awesome because we can use it in an upcoming episode. And little did we know, we wouldn't be traveling after that. At all. At all. For months at a time. <laughs> And then once we are done with that, our friend Paul Cottrell joins us again. Uh, Paul, as you know, is a master distiller here in Southwest Florida, and he has been kind enough to create some unique original cocktails inspired by the Infinity Stones mm. for our 60K Gauntlet Challenge. So I think this is a great show because we can talk about how running continues here at home despite the cancellation of races throughout our race season thus far, mm -hmm. that we're still motivated by challenges here at home, running challenges that support great causes. We can reminisce a little bit about our last road trip and we can drink some awesome cocktails to celebrate the completion or earning of yet another 
set of infinity stones. Yes. Yeah. Stones, I mean, gems. Stones or gems, depending on which version of the Marvel Universe you're talking about. But we are going to keep most of the discussion to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is the, the Marvel that most everybody is now familiar with. Yeah, I have to the, defer to you because you have the vast amount of knowledge yes. that I don't. Well, I've got all the comic books in there if you want to read them. Just saying. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get on that. <laughs> get right on that. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Translation, it's never going to happen. Maybe. I don't know. So let's, let's talk running. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> I, you, you've gotten ahead of me and you've stayed ahead of me all week. I had to play catch up today. So let's talk about uh, runs three and four of the six part 60K gauntlet challenge. How, well, were you, how were your runs? Well, to stay ahead of you, I really, it's, it's not a race, really. Well, no, but it's just worked out because I had to work most of this week, so I didn't. Yeah, you had time. a long work week, and I really, I know I'm combating the foot issues that I'm having, so I know I have to be slow, and I don't, I, I don't want to head out there with you're just going to blow right past me, you know. Well, again, we're not racing, and it's not a race, but I have found in the last couple of months that running is a big stress reliever and I, I like to get out there more often if my feet can take it. I actually think that part of the reason you're having, and if you, if you're late to the party <laughs> and you haven't been following along the last uh, couple of episodes, Amy's been fighting some plantar fasciitis, yeah. which usually the doctors tell you, stay off your feet and don't, mm. don't, you know, don't exacerbate it. Of course, yeah. runners are like, so you're saying I can run a, a little, little, right? So she hasn't exactly stayed off her feet, but she's been doing a lot of the icing and the, the Rolling therapeutic stuff. And yeah, all all the things that. So I've been actually breaking up the ten k's into shorter runs, companion runs. Okay. So a couple of five k's. Oh, with, yeah. with a break in between for the rolling and the icing and the just to be able to do that. Oh, so you're actually like doing a 5K, then come in, roll mm -hmm. in ice, and then get back out and do it, do more. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And like you, I started late. So, hello, it was super hot and humid. Yeah. Summer's definitely here for us. Yeah. But I did some interval work on both of those runs just. I just wanted to do some cadence drill, some acceleration gliders then inside of that distance, and then also some of the speed drills that Jeff Galloway has me doing. You know the man that introduced our episode today? Oh, yes. The man I love. Very familiar with that man. America's coach. So the... Um you you were doing the drills as part of the total distance. Mileage, yeah. So okay. really, I know that you have a different strategy for this gauntlet series in that you are trying different intervals for time yes. to see what you can get. And I'm taking a different strategy in that I'm doing the drills, covering the mileage, and that that's how I'm getting it done. Just does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, I just I want to make sure that I keep my strides short, my turnover light. I want to work on that kind of um, posture. Yeah, running form. Mm -hmm. 
like Jeff says, I just want to make sure, and I think that this challenge series is a, a good way to incorporate some of those drills. That makes sense. And some of that training and, and to try out a few ratios in some of the speed drills and then just add up the total mileage yeah. over, over all of that. So that's what I've been doing. And that's really what I like about the flexibility of a virtual race. Yes. Yes. There's no sweeper. Mm-mm. The road's not shut down. Right. They're, not, they're, not, they're not trying to get you off the course as quickly as possible. So, yeah, that makes total sense. So I can experiment with some interval work. I can experiment with form and form drills and make sure that everything is still dialed in and take the necessary breaks I need to, to for my feet. Yeah. So that's been my strategy. And you are testing out some intervals of your own for speed. Yeah, I've, I've went kind of a very, um, I won't call it a, a very blunt approach, but it's, it's a very straightforward approach, I guess. Yeah. With my very first ra- run, I did all walking. And in fact, I had the dogs with me for the first three miles. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was no attempt at doing anything for speed at all. So mm-hmm. that had me at an hour, 51 minutes and change. Mm-hmm. The, the second race, I did some interval work, and I did five seconds of running and then 55, 55. seconds of walking. And that had a, a marked improvement. It dropped almost 16 minutes off my time. It's surprising, isn't it, that just that five seconds every minute? Total surprise, especially. Yeah. When, and like I, I, said, I think I mentioned on last week's episode, uh, listener Wendell um, messaged us and was like, wow. Yeah. You know, I was very skeptical. Love it. It's it's pretty incredible. So I did 555 for the second run. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this week's runs, mm-hmm. I did a 1050 for the Reality Stone 10K. Mm-hmm. And that gave me a total time of one hour, 30 minutes, 17 seconds. Which is under Disney's requirement, actually, for a 10K. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. And that was just 10 seconds of running, 50 seconds of walking. Nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the dogs with me. Just yeah. decided I was going to go and, and run. Mm-hmm. And what I'm trying to do is see where where am I going to get the maximum return for the power put in. So, like, if you're imagining on a graph, you've got this this you know this line that kind of goes up and then starts to flatten out. You know, there's two lines. There's the the power that you put in and then the speed that you generate. Mm. And I'm trying to find where those two lines intersect for me. Okay. And that's going to give me the best bang for my buck. So you're looking for where is the interval going to be a point of diminishing return? Right. right? And, and what else, what I will see is as I start to add more time, but then my time doesn't get any faster or it gets slower. Right. Then that's the where I know, know that I need to back off. Yeah. So um, for today's run, as we record this uh, today, I completed the Power Stone 10K. Mm. I did a 15-second running interval mm. and a 45-second walking interval. Which you say is your favorite interval. I've had a lot of good results with that. I've done that at races, mm-hmm. uh, at yeah. you know timed races, at Disney events, yeah. at... Um, I believe I've used that one a couple of times at uh, Gasparilla. So I, it's one that I'm pretty comfortable with. This gate, this shaved an additional four minutes and 11 seconds off of my time. So I went down to one hour, 26 minutes and six seconds for a 10K. 
Nice. Yeah, so that's a sub 14 minute a mile. Look at you. 10K. It's where I want to be. And it was, aside from the heat and the humidity, and again, and it really isn't even the ambient heat. That was not the problem because we had a good breeze going. Um, we actually did, but on our street, we have no shade. There is zero shade on our street. I actually took a photo. I was going to, I was going to um, put it out there and go, this is the problem with running where we live is yeah. there's no shade no. at all. I mean, other than like, if you catch it at the right time in the morning when the sun's low enough in the sky, like then you're good. Some of the, some of the palm trees will give you like, like four feet of shade. That A little you can bit. Run through. It, it's just brutal and what yeah. what was hard this morning was the sun not it's the ambient rough. air temperature it's the sun beating down on you and i uh. did put sunscreen on this time yay so um you know my favorite sunscreen again not a sponsor but love them to death is bullfrog because you put it on once and it stays on all day i like the mosquito coast too given the the season we're heading into oh they're but they're back here they're yeah. in the evening they're terrible yeah um, yeah, the mosquitoes and the, and the mosquito coast version of bullfrog has the mosquito repellent built in. So mm-hmm. it's, it's great stuff, yeah. but just adding an additional five seconds that, that shaved off an additional four minutes right there. So as you head into the last two 10 Ks, when we have the time stone and the soul stone next week, mm-hmm. then what will you do for the time stone? For the time stone, I'm thinking that I'm probably going to try a 2040. Are you really? I might try 2040. You never do that. And I, I don't. And I'm also getting a little bit concerned because this gets dangerously close to that interval that we were doing or that I tried during the Star Wars virtual. Yeah. Where it was a little too much running and not quite enough. Two to one ratio, rest. like a 1530. Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So I think. I'm either going to do a 2040 or I might go crazy and do a 2060 because wow. a 2040 is a one to two ratio. Yeah. A 2060 is a one to three ratio. True enough. And I'm, I'm curious what that's going to do. And again, this is all for, for the sake of science. I could do the 2040 and that might be where I hit the wall as far as or, or I might cross that threshold where mm-hmm. I get the diminishing return. I'm not sure. So, I'll, I'll, I'll settle on it as I kind of think about it this week, but yeah. um, I didn't have any real problems with fatigue and I didn't have any real problems with pain other than just tight glutes yeah. and tight hamstrings this week. But that's just, I think, you know, I could have stretched a little more, but all in all, felt really good. I liked the interval and um, I am kind of curious to see what my experiment yields in the last two races yeah. or two runs. Yeah. So you said... 2040, 2060? I'm either going to do 2040 or 2060 and yeah. see how that goes. And then for the Soul Stone, are you going to do anything else? I think Soul Stone is going to be very dependent on what the Time Stone experiment yields. Okay. Stay tuned for a full report. And I, I really, I look forward to our run segment next week because I think we'll spend a brief time recapping our final two 10Ks, but then we also have a fantastic interview with the people from Metal Chasers that provide this virtual race. Yeah, they were kind enough to do a Zoom call Bill with and us Christina. And just just kind of talk about themselves, their company, you know, what they're doing. And uh, this is a, a, a neat company that's doing all sorts of 
virtual runs, regardless of your interests, your hobbies, your you know, the type of metals that you want, and they're they're making really good quality oh, metals. They're so great bibs. So it's a great interview, and we're looking forward to bringing that one to you. And I really like that they partner with charities, different kinds of charities, and they'll talk about that. But this one, particularly with the Pinky Swear Foundation that benefits uh, children and their families fighting cancer. Yeah. Just, yeah, that's near and dear to our heart because we run the Donna every year to support those who are fighting breast cancer and their Mm -hmm. families. And so I just, yeah, this one's near and dear to my heart and anything we can do to support people battling that disease is I'm, I'm in on it. Absolutely. So yeah. stay tuned for next week. Mm. But in the meantime, Speaking you mentioned of Donna. The Donna. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Donna was, like we mentioned at the show intro, that was the last travel race that <sighs> yeah. we did. And that was back in February. And it was a, a good road trip for us. It's about a five hour drive from where we live down here in Southwest Florida. Mm-hmm. And on our way back, we like to we like to try to make the trip if we're going somewhere part of the runcation so we try to find yeah. cool places to go like on our way up we stopped off at a couple of spots yeah we did uh motor works motor works and we talked brewing. about that and we also covered um the rv and campground linger, linger lodge yes that you want to go back to for a sunday bloody mary i really really do they <laughs> they are doing a lot of flashbacks on their facebook page and they're mm. posting these pictures of some of their food and their their bloody marys and they do these insanely gorgeous crazy bloody marys it's like a meal in and of itself yeah you you wouldn't need to get anything else mm. so looking forward to doing a little little day tripping back there but we did we it also, on the way up we we also did it on the way back yeah and when you're up in um, north Northeast Florida, you know, you're up there near the Space Coast. You're also up near St. Augustine, Florida. Oh. And St. Augustine is the oldest city in the continental United States. And I know we keep saying we've got to get up there and do a race. We have been eyeballing races up there in, yes. in St. Augustine because it's it's a town with so much rich history. Beautiful. beautiful. Just a beautiful um tourist area but also just beautiful natural natural beauty in the city as well (laughs) we we want to share that with everybody Mm. but um on our way back we decided to drive through and stop off um at a couple of places for lunch and grab a pint and what we're going to talk about today is a food offering that we found there so that when travel resumes and people start planning vacations and you're thinking about maybe going up towards saint augustine we have a reason for you to go. I mean, you as a kid would travel to historical place. You got a lot of history as a kid. My my parents were very big into that. My, yeah. my dad especially. And you know, a lot of the places we traveled were Civil War battle sites, Revolutionary mm-hmm. War, uh, historical yeah. sites. I've been to all the big ones. Mm-hmm. And... Um, St. Augustine is not one that we ever really went to. We went, really? We went to Cocoa Beach. We I, I got to go to, of course, to the Space Center several times, mm. but never to St. Augustine with family. I'd been there in college, uh, but not there particularly as a kid. Well, I... But that actually... But the reason that I love it there so much is because of that, that enjoyment of history that I got as a kid. 
Well, we would drive through there on the way up to visit family in Virginia when I was a kid. Okay. And I remember the little shops and I remember like the cobblestone streets and the brick buildings and just, so to me, when you talk about St. Augustine, Mm -hmm. it brings back memories of Christmas trips with family. Yeah. And it's so great. And it was neat when we drove through there, you know, everybody was still, you know, doing the normal touristy things So you had at that, that time at, yeah. at that time. And it was just, you know, tons of people walking the streets uh, and, and enjoying the beauty of this old town. And so beautiful. Just, just something that if you haven't been and you've ever been thinking about going when once, once we get back to traveling normally here in the U S it, this is a place that you, you should put on your list. Yes, and not just only for those cobblestone streets and the sites and the shops, the beauty, the history, but also for some delicious tacos. I know. It sounds weird that we're going to suggest going to an old Spanish settlement to get delicious tacos from a brand new place, but trust us when we tell you you will not be disappointed. We had, <laughs> had the fortune of going to check out not only um, Osprey Tacos, but also its neighbor adjacent to it, Old Coast Ales. Yes. And Old Coast Brewing has, uh, they, they share, they basically share a wall. Yeah. And we went over to Osprey, ordered our food, went over to Old Coast, got our beer, and they brought us our food over into the While we were having a, a flight of beer. Yeah. At Old Coast Ales. So, I mean, we even had dessert over there. Yeah. And I, I and the reason that we're flashing back to this, because it, not only was it our last trip, but this week it seemed kind of appropriate to flash back to it because it is Cinco de Mayo. It is Cinco de Mayo. As this episode drops today, it mm-hmm. will be May 5th. Yes. Of course, that is also uh, Revenge of the 5th for yes. our Star Wars fans out there. But Cinco de Mayo is, <laughs> yeah. a, is a great excuse to go get some delicious Mexican food. I'm and while you. while the some of the stuff that we got wouldn't be traditionally Mexican, the tacos that we got were, of course, Mexican-inspired and absolutely some of the most flavorful tacos you could get anywhere. Yes, and they have street tacos on their menu that they'll do in traditional style with uh, cilantro, radish, onion, and a double corn or flour tortilla. It's only one correct answer there. It's double corn. Of course. Just saying. I love a corn tortilla. I'm not judging people. And I like that it's double. Yeah, and you're not judging people that... Who go for a flour tortilla. No. They're just wrong. Uh, well, does it not depend on the filling? It absolutely depends on the filling. I'm just I'm just being facetious. It, <laughs> it depends on the filling that you're getting. It does. Because if you have like a heartier steak filling, like a, like a vajita type thing, mm-hmm. then I think maybe a heartier flour tortilla is the way to go. Yeah, a tortilla that won't fall apart or pull apart if the filling is a little more toothsome. Yes. Right. So there is a Tex-Mex style topped with cheddar, sour cream, lettuce, tomato, onion, on a uh, corn or flour tortilla. So you get to choose your tortilla Mm -hmm. in that area, and then they'll do 
rice and black beans, soy protein, ground beef, shrimp, pollo asado, carnitas or carne asado, which is skirt steak, which I would do. But we ordered off the Boulevard Tacos portion of their menu. Yes. And these are just... There are some clever combinations here at inexpensive prices. Yeah. Um, you, you know, if you get like a, a plate of three tacos, you're looking at anywhere between $12 and, and $15. But th- yeah. these are huge tacos. They are very, they are chucked full. Yeah. And, and when you take a look at the episode artwork for this week, mm. you're going to see what we're talking about. That, that, that three pack of tacos. Yeah. Great meal. We overlapped on one taco. Yeah, we did. Well, uh, we're both huge fans of chorizo. Yes, we are. So we overlapped on that. It's it's such a versatile sausage. You can do it for (sighs) breakfast. You can do it for lunch or dinner. And I love the spice that it offers. I love the color that it imparts to dishes. I think it's just, um, it's one, absolutely one of my favorites. It's, I love chorizo and this is Mexican style chorizo with crispy fries, cotija cheese and house salsa verde. And when they say crispy fries, they mean it's like shoestring type. It was like potato sticks. Yeah. It's like potato sticks. So they were very small. It wasn't like here's, here's humongous fries on your taco. No. But it was... And that's a popular topping with a lot of Mexican... Or um, mm. with uh, Cuban restaurants. Yeah, yeah. I loved this taco. It was spicy and salty with the cheese. And... But but there was like a, different textures with the the crispy fries and the cotija cheese. And you're also a huge salsa verde fan. I love salsa verde. Yeah, so if you've got like a tomatillo salsa, Mm. and there's so many different ways. Some places make the salsa verde, they're mild. Some places Mm -hmm. make the salsa verde, they're hot. It just depends on where you go. That, I think, lent itself to a cooling effect. Yes. With this Mexican-style chorizo that had some bite to it. Yes. Yeah. So I mm, just... I loved this taco. Yeah. I don't know how you feel. I I was a huge fan of it. I, I... didn't mind that we overlapped because this was just so good. And again, you get this huge portion of chorizo and it's, it's not sliced chorizo. You know, it's a, it's a nice crumbles. Yeah. Um, I've, in fact, I don't know if I've I've ever seen a place that's done as a sliced. Um, I don't think that that would probably work too well, but in breakfast dishes, like a breakfast bowl or things like that, it might maybe, you know, I don't know. But they, they just did it so well. And, you know, you've got the, the, um, the smokiness and the uh-huh. tartness and the heat. That, but it's not an overwhelming heat. It's just, just enough to warm your tongue uh-huh. and let you know it's there. Yeah. But you've got so much, that, that red color from the smoked paprika oh. that's in there. It's, it's just fantastic and that's why i like this like if you're doing a, a like chorizo and eggs if you're doing um something like a uh huevos rancheros and you wanted to add in some chorizo to that oh yeah so good and i do love those fried uh shoestring potatoes i love them uh, they're such a yeah. great crunchy element that that accents um food 
a, a lot of, so a lot of Cuban restaurants will use that as a topping on some of their sandwiches, especially like steak sandwiches, mm-hmm. uh, or they'll even top just skirt steak or, um, yeah, skirt steak. Usually I think that's where I see it on. Oh. It, it, it's a great crunchy component. So it, it kind of reminds me as a kid putting, um, um, potato chips on a sandwich to crunch it up. Yes. It's very similar to that in terms of the texture. Oh, and so. it's just, I'm sorry. My mouth Mouth's is watering. watering I know. Because it's, it was so good. Yeah. It was so good. And then you had a couple of unique tacos and I went, I think I would say typical for me on one but not so typical on another. Yeah, I went with a couple of items that they had that were were very unique, to say the least, mm-hmm. and, and not something you would typically see served as a um, as a taco. Taco, yeah. They had what they called their Cuban, and this is inspired by a Cuban sandwich. And the Cuban taco had pulled pork, Swiss cheese, pickles a mustard aioli, and then topped with prosciutto ham. Oh. So this was very much a nod to the the Cuban sandwich, which is something I grew up on being oh. a, a Tampa native. So good. And it, while not, you know, of course it's not completely accurate to what a Cuban sandwich would be, it had enough of the components there and it was such a great nod to the flavors and the textures that you would get, and mm. seeing that served in a in a taco, mm-hmm. what a great way to enjoy those flavors. You know, you get the the pulled pork, so it's you know pork shoulder, pork butt, you know, and you're getting a, a generous helping of that. So that mm. gives you kind of your base of the the meatiness of the taco. Mm. You know, the Swiss cheese gives you a little bit of a nuttiness and a creaminess. The pickles give you the dill and the tart and the tang. Like a briny kind yeah. of. Yeah, uh, and a little bit of a salty component. Um, the mustard aioli, of course, gives you um, the, some more moisture, and it also gives you the the hint of the yellow mustard that mm. you need if you're yeah. doing a true Cuban. But then they topped it with prosciutto ham. And the prosciutto ham is that razor-thin slice laid right on top and it's just you know this perfect salty um porky um, (laughs) flavor that is i mean it comes from the same animal as the pulled pork but it's a completely different textural and flavor element than the pulled pork so it's just fantastic oh so good yeah and then and then i went a totally different route with my last taco yeah yeah this one i i wasn't sure if it was going to work you ordered it and i was like is this really gonna happen because i thought you would go they have an avocado taco which i almost got and i thought oh are you gonna go there but you totally zigged when i thought you were gonna zag and you got i got the sprout (sighs) it's called the sprout on the menu and this is a taco filled with crisp fried brussels sprouts a black bean puree, pickled onions, cotilla cheese, and something they call their Baja sauce. The crisp fried Brussels sprouts. I uh, Number one, if you're doing Brussels sprouts, if you grew up as a kid and the only Brussels sprout you ever had was the microwave steam and bag, mm. 
sad little green mushy things. So sad. And and you you learn to hate them because of that. I'm going to urge you find a place that's really doing them, you know, like charred, grilled, yes. riddled, you know, roasted, roasted, whatever, you know, get some real cook on them as opposed to steaming them. Yeah. And you might change your mind because the flavor that you got from these were just phenomenal. It mm. was it was a little bit spicy. It was a little, I'm going to say spicy. It was almost like um, the, the, the center of a, of a Brussels sprout when cooked properly almost has a hint of horseradish to it. Mm. A little bit. Mm. And, you know, you get a little bit of the crisp of the outer leaves and you get the softness of some of the inner leaves and you get that little, just like a almost a waft in the air of, mm. of uh, horseradish from Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Um, but you got that. The black bean puree kind of acted almost like a mayonnaise. Ooh. So you had this nice creamy glue holding it all together. The pickled onions were your your um, sharp and tangy element. Mm-hmm. The cotilla cheese was your was your salty component, and yeah. then the baja sauce was a, a little tangy, a little spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was such a surprisingly good taco. Yeah, and a and a component I've never ever seen served in a taco. I have never seen a Brussels sprout taco. An avocado taco, yes. Yes. But never the sprout. I it's it's it was all new mm-hmm. to me. And so. it was huge. Yeah. All all the tacos are huge and you know. But I think when they double that corn tortilla, it supports all of the rich elements that are in the taco. Yes. Absolutely. All of those different layers of flavor. And that is what I experienced. I got something called the San Diego, which is the typical one for me. Because, you know, if I have an opportunity to have skirt steak, I'm going to have it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was hard for me to pass this one up. Skirt steak, crispy fries, avocado, cilantro, onion, and salsa verde. Big surprise for me. I'm sure. <laughs> but it's such a it's such a classic combo. I love, well, skirt steak and the tomatillo salsa. Just. Oh. It's, and a, it's a nod to chimichurri sauce. Yeah, it's a nod to chimichurri sauce, but it's not as, I don't, not as vinegary or tangy or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that. I think that. It just cradled the skirt, the skirt steak just right, and skirt, the skirt steak had some char on it, but then also had some tender pieces as well. And the crispy fries added that crunch you've talked about before because that's a common element throughout their menu. Right. And the cilantro, the, the crisp onion, and just they are masters at this place of creating different layers of textures when you take a bite. Which is something you often don't get in tacos mm. and especially like fast fast food or mm-hmm. quick service places. Because you have the creamy avocado, you have the, the greenery, the cilantro to add that fresh element and the crisp onion. And it was just, I mean, a little squirt of lime and you were just, if you like skirt steak... 
you're in heaven. Yeah, and skirt steak. I mean, for such an inexpensive cut of beef, if it's done right, it is so tender and flavorful, mm-hmm. and it's perfect for yeah. a taco. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you have those long strips, and everything just comes together the right way. So I, I liked that a lot. I, mm, And this last one was just... I don't think I've ever seen it on a menu at a taqueria. No. Or a Mexican place that we've been to. No. Which is a pork fried rice taco. It just sounds wrong. So it's like Asian Mexican fusion. it sounds fusion. so right. Asian Mexican fusion. It has crispy pork, griddled rice, scallions, sriracha aioli, and hoisin. So. Lay it out for us. The crispy pork was just, you know, I mean, I can't, it's, okay. It's pork. It's great. It's the salty meatiness. And then the griddled rice, I mean, it's such a throwback to like, you know, to fried rice in Asian cuisine. Sure. And just, and such a different texture from the meat. But then the scallions add the fresh crunch vegetable element and the sriracha aioli adds the kick that you would come to expect from spicier Asian food. Sure. And then the hoisin adds the sweet soy element. And you don't, it's like you talked about with the Brussels sprout, the sprout taco. Mm -hmm. You don't think it's going to work. But, oh boy, <laughs> it does. This When I saw this on the menu, I, I almost got this one. This reminded me of a, a, like something that you would, you, you've gone out for an evening out on the town. You've oh. had maybe a little too much to drink. Oh you're, my God. you're hungry before bed and you go to the fridge and you're like, what do I have? Yeah. I got some leftover Chinese food and, oh, look, there. I, I don't want to have to use a, spoon or a fork or certainly not chopsticks this is too hard what do i have roll it up roll it up i got a i got a tortilla here yeah and you just go for it but i mean they have taken such care with each ingredient and having each element and so it is maybe late night hangover food done right oh yeah i could totally see going to this place like you know 10, 11 o'clock in the evening. Oh. And yeah, this, this would be a, a great late night stop. Yeah, it would be fantastic. And I will tell you, we had, just an aside, we had churros from there mm-hmm. as dessert. And they were fantastic. Piping hot, crispy, cinnamony, cinnamony goodness. Yes. So I, just as a bonus, highly recommend so what you're saying to people is if you are going to get back to doing some runcationing, you find mm-hmm. yourself at the Donna, maybe yep. maybe this coming February, mm-hmm. and you're looking to explore a little bit of Northeast Florida, and you make yeah. your way down towards St. Augustine. Augustine. Stop here. Yeah. Stop here. Absolutely. Or I would even say if you're going to do Space Coast, uh, this, any oh. of the Space Coast um, marathon or mm-hmm. half. Yeah, uh, sure. Any of, the, any of that series, make the, the drive up. It's yeah. not too far. Yeah. And it, it, it's day trippable, and, and there's plenty to do in St. Augustine. Yeah, and I will shout them out also because in exploring their, their Facebook page, I believe that they have done some deliveries and supported some frontline workers, some healthcare Fantastic. workers. Fantastic. 
And I just can't wait to get back and support them on the next drive up to Donna. Yeah. And you are going to get the extra bonus that they are adjacent to a pretty fantastic brewery. Mm -hmm. Yes. Old Coast Ales. Highly recommend. Yeah. Highly recommend. They've got some great variety in their beer menu. And I, I would just... Highly recommend that. You know, they may find themselves as a drink segment in an upcoming episode. I'm just, yeah. And speaking of the drink segment, I am super thirsty right now. This week, we are joined yet again via Zoom conference by our friend and master distiller, Paul Cottrell. Paul, welcome to the Runny Drink Podcast. Once oh, man. Again. Always a pleasure to hang out with you guys. We love it. Paul, what do you have for us today for the reality stone, which is the first stone that we cool that we yes. earned? So, uh, the reality stone is is interesting in 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 it in its power. Its power is very kind of uh, clouded in mystery in the in in the Marvel universe, in that it controls uh, reality, which is a very vague statement to say uh, yes. none to say. Yeah, the, um, but uh, with the reality stone, you know, considering uh, that it's, uh, you know, the way it functions cocktail wise, I wanted something that was kind of simple and, and assertive, mm. uh, but breaking out an ingredient that uh, where we throw just a tiny little bit into and it completely changes the landscape of the drink, you know, so it's kind of like that idea of changing reality. We're going to change the drink with literally like a tablespoon of one ingredient, which we'll get to in a second. Okay. Uh, but here we go. Shaker, right? First ingredient is going to be uh, whiskey. Now I'm going to say whiskey here. Uh, what do you What do you drink? You know, what do you like? If you want just regular, you know, straight whiskey, go for it. Maybe you're a bourbon fan. Maybe you're an Irish whiskey fan. Maybe you're mm -hmm. a Japanese whiskey fan. Is it uh, either or, really? Uh, well, so to don't tell like a like a bourbon head that bourbon is whiskey. You know, that's like, I it's, mean, it's, can't we like them all? A bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. Right. Let's be very Nailed clear. it. Correct. Yes. Uh, whiskey is a very kind of general category. Mm -hmm. uh, all things that fall under that category are considered whiskey, right? Bourbon mm -hmm. is whiskey. Rye is whiskey. If you look at like a bottle of rye, it says rye whiskey on it. Yeah. It's just right. a style of whiskey. So uh, using the broader term here, whiskey, if you went towards rye, you would get more of like a peppery kind of a note. If mm. you went Japanese whiskey, Japanese whiskey tends to have a lot more uh, fruity, subtle tones to it. Uh, but a good straight American style whiskey, everybody's seen the square black bottle, right? That, that's a good place to start. Uh -huh. And then you decide whether or not you want to go down more the the bourbon route or another kind of uh, whiskey route. We need an ounce and a half. I was going to just, just say the some of the Japanese whiskeys that yeah. are coming on scene in the United States are really pretty impressive. The Japanese came Jap on strong. Japanese whiskey is my new love affair. If you if 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 I can say that, uh, it is just there's so much creativity behind Japanese whiskey. Uh, the Japanese did such a good job controlling the overall flavor profile of the, the finished product. You get five Japanese whiskeys, and man, although they're made very similarly, they turn out drastically different from each wow. other. Mm. Right. So uh, an ounce so and a half. Yeah, we got an ounce and a half. We're going to need some bitterness here because we're going to add some sweet in a second. And the bitter is going to come from lime juice. If you wanted to do something really fun here, uh, and if you have the access to blood orange juice. Uh, right or something that's going to help you remember the reality stones red yeah. yeah so we want to play towards that red color 
right? So blood orange would be another kind of layer of that color. Uh, and we're basically, at this point, making a basic uh, whiskey cranberry sour, right? Ooh. A sour with bourbon, simple syrup, and lime juice. We're just going to replace the simple syrup uh, with a little bit of cranberry juice instead, right? So cranberry is going to be a little tart. It's going to be a little sweet. Mm -hmm. But uh, not right? as sweet as if you use a straight simple. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Now, uh, what you'll notice is because of the whiskey, right, uh, it's red, but meh it's cloudy right mm -hmm. you know and that's the combination of the bourbon and the lime juice mm -hmm. right we want to really keep that red color so one of these ingredients that uh bar uh people tend to have kind of in their wheelhouse just in case they need it is uh this little thing called grenadine now real grenadine is uh pomegranate syrup that's been reduced not cherry oh. like, no real grenadine is pomegranate Okay. Like traditional homemade in a bar is pomegranate. The stuff you get in the grocery store, you ready? Mind blown? Yes. Yes. doesn't have any flavor in it at all. It's just red simple syrup. Oh. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the idea there being that it's, it's used at this point for nothing more than uh, adjusting the color of the drink. It's a yeah. glorified way of adding food coloring to a cocktail. Right, if you're gonna add something sweet, grenadine adds sweet plus it's red. Mm. Some of the sense. grenadines out there, the classic grenadines, kind of like what you're thinking, are cherry. You know, mm. a lot of people think that the stuff inside a maraschino cherry jar is mm. grenadine. Right. You know what I mean? Like that, like that flavor profile. Uh, real grenadine is gonna be much deeper, and it's you're still gonna get that red color, but the pomegranate syrup is gonna completely change the flavor profile. Real classic grenadine, it is a is a real ingredient in a cocktail. My mind where, is officially here, oh. <laughs> where here all we're really trying to do is modify the color and really bring out that red in this mm. drink uh right so you see i got the cap of the grenadine bottle this is a really easy way to start measuring grenadine right grenadine <laughs> is a uh, is a how much do you want in your drink how oh. colorful do you want your drink uh so you take one cap and you toss it in right and then you just give the drink a shake and then at this point if you want it to be a little redder open the shaker toss another capful in there, shake it again. Uh, remember, the grenadine is serving no purpose here than to make this cocktail pretty. That's gotcha. it, gotcha. right? So that's what we're gonna try to accomplish here. Now I pre-made this drink uh, so I could look at the color and I know one capful is gonna get it where I like it oh. to be. If you want it to be a little darker, please put some more red in there, right? Okay. So now we've got our drink. And then there you go. Right? Look at this beautiful yeah. shade of red. And again, it would be a deeper red if you added a little bit more uh, grenadine into it. Uh, but uh, to me, uh, I don't want to overly sweeten the drink. Yeah. I like the kind of nice little tart note that the cranberry brings. Mm -hmm. uh, in the next stone, you're going to see a little bit of kind of a similar setup of a cocktail that's completely in another direction because of the change in the sweetness. Well, you why know? don't you? So, you, you use that infinity gauntlet of yours over there. Oh, it's here somewhere. Where did I put it? Uh, my daughter probably took it. Hold on. Oh, there it is. Okay, here we go. Incoming. Look at there it is. God. Look at that. There it is. All right, let's see. Nice and red. I already started. Cheers. And let's, <laughs> let's take a sip and see how this turns out. Whiskey and cranberry is mm. such an underutilized... Um, such an underutilized kind of uh, flavor. 
you know, it's just whiskey and cranberry is plays well together when you, when you do it correctly. And I can see why you limit the, the grenadine. Yeah, right. Because it's, it's a little on the sweet side, right? But uh, if you, if you got it too sweet, the cocktail, the balance would just be all thrown off. Yeah. Right. The whiskey would be hidden. Right. There'd be, there'd be no harmony you know, the, 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 those really kind of nice flavors of the whiskey would disappear mm-hmm. behind the sweetness, uh, but here they can still be nice and apparent. And I can also see how this drink would change depending on whether you use, say, a bourbon, a rye, or an Irish whiskey, sure. because those have very distinct, a lot of people who aren't into whiskeys will go, yeah. oh, they all taste uh, well, like gasoline or, you know, whatever. They, they're, they're they have though. very distinct flavors, or even variations within types of bourbons if you Uh used something that was a more traditional bourbon versus a weeded bourbon that's Mm -hmm. going to be smoother you would get a totally different cocktail oh sure and you know that's probably uh you know that's a that conversation can be as long as we want it to be (laughs) the idea made me curious as to what japanese whiskey would do with this oh yeah yeah so the, the kind of the weird part is it's really in the way that the Japanese do their fermentation process. Japanese whiskey is actually bourbon. Mm-hmm. The way it's produced, it qualifies as a, as a, as a bourbon. Except uh, for the whole but, part about being made in the United yeah, States. Yeah. Well, right. Uh, that's when you start talking about, you know, if we were to be talking about the, the Japanese bourbon industry, we'd be talking about the struggling Japanese bourbon industry because right. the bourbon people wouldn't get past it. But right. because they were smart enough to call it Japanese whiskey, we're talking about the thriving Japanese whiskey business, right? Because yeah. they avoided something that people are, have a very strong opinion about. That would, that would be a little bit like, a, like, a, like an American whiskey. That'd be like Jack Daniels saying, hey, we made a, like a single malt PD scotch. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. it's just, there would be, there, there'd be riots in the streets. You know what I mean? It's like the fighting Scottish make Scotch, the Irish make Irish whiskey, the Japanese make Japanese whiskey. It mm. falls under the category of bourbon. It drinks completely differently than something like a heavy corn bourbon would, as opposed mm. to maybe like a malted bourbon or a, yeah. a sweeter bourbon, you know? Right. Well, now it is this- definitely a good start for people who are just getting into the whiskey business. Yeah. Boy, you, you really like that drink, huh? Yeah. That's, that's not terrible. And I'm, I'm a whiskey fan. So yeah, that is definitely the way to go. Plus I just did my run today and I'm, I'm rehydrating. Um, now right. I think this is a great you job are. of representing the reality stone. It, it's, it's nice and deep red. It is kind of, mm-hmm. a, you know, to borrow a, a term that was thrown around with some movie, some science fiction movies this past, uh, the past couple of years, it subverted my expectations and it, it did kind of uh, change my perception of reality a little bit. I was going to say, now, a lot of people are like, the reality stone. I don't really remember the reality stone. That's true. If you think back in the movies, it was first introduced in Thor, the Dark World. Right. And it was referred to as the ether. Okay, so now that we have nailed down the cocktail for the reality stone, let's talk about the second stone that we earned this week, and that is the power stone. First introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the orb on Morag that you see um, uh, Star-Lord, Star-Lord attempting yeah. to retrieve at the beginning of the movie when he's lip syncing. Uh, talk a little bit about Power Stone and what you got set up for us for the cocktail representing that most powerful of stones. The stone that made Star-Lord famous. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> it was well, a great scene. The power stone is one of those stones that uh, in uh, 
the Marvel Universe as a whole, regardless of whether you're a comic fan, a television fan, an animated fan, or the movie fan. Uh, the Power Stone had one of the most straightforward powers of all of them. You were mm -hmm. just a big, beefy dude when you had the Power Stone. Like, it was, you were just very strong. You had the capability of being very strong. Uh, so, obviously, thinking about the way the Power Stone functions, we wanted to kind of make a stronger drink. Mm -hmm. Right. We didn't want to do just kind of more of like a lighter drink. We wanted to do something a little bit stronger. So we're going to make kind of a version of a martini here. That's a little kind of off the rails. Oh. Um, the first thing you're going to see is my martini glass. Right. And my martini glass has ice in it. You are yeah. pre-chilling the glass. Nailed it. Don't put cold drinks in warm glasses. Oh, you only do right. That so this is actually what we're going to use the shake with. Okay. A cocktail in okay. the shaker with no ice. We're going to transfer this into the shaker, shake it, and then strain it. So that's going to give us a cold vessel for the drink. Plus, it's going to give us a cold uh, way of shaking by utilizing this ice. Uh, with this cocktail, we're going to go back to whiskey again. Uh, for this particular one, I'm going to bourbon because uh, I like the way that bourbon flavors play in this particular drink. Uh, and the other thing we're going to do here is not go straight bourbon. We're going to use uh, bourbon and vodka here. Uh, the idea being that the bourbon would almost be too assertive here in this drink. Uh, we want some of those other flavors to kind of come out, but we want the, the power of the cocktail, if you will, the strength of the drink <laughs> to stand. Right? So if you're going to put two ounces of bourbon in something, you can put an ounce of bourbon and an ounce of vodka in something. The vodka is just there to be booze. Right? Vodka doesn't really have much in the way of a flavor to it, uh, but it gives you the cocktail to the ability to have a little bit more punch. Mm. Okay. okay. So that's what we're using here. We're using an ounce of uh, bourbon and then a half an ounce of, of vodka. If you wanted to go up to a full ounce here, uh, you are more than welcome to. Uh, it just depends on how strong you want the drink. Right. Uh, and just like any cocktail we've made so far, you know, cocktails need balance. We're going to add some sweet ingredients here. So we're going to use a little lime to kind of be that balance between the sweet and the strong. And we need a bitter component. So that's what that's going to be. Uh, now, the Power Stone, everybody knows the Power Stone, of course, uh, is purple, right? And <laughs> purple colors are a little bit on the difficult side to do cocktail world. Uh, your easy way out is actually a purple ingredient, that purple ingredient being uh, something called creme de violette. Uh, and if you're not a, a gin fan, you're definitely not going to be a creme de violette fan. It is literally violet, like you think about flower, liqueur. Mm. So it's a little on the sweet side, uh, and it's purple. And it'll be a great way to make a, a cocktail. But we're going to go back to kindergarten, right? And if we want to make something that's a little easier and a little more approachable, we remember that blue and red blue, make red purple. purple. Sure. There you go. Uh, so we're going to go back to our good buddy Blue Curacao here because that's going to be our blue note. The other thing this is going to do is be our sweet note, right? We, we we're missing the sweet component here. So the blue is going to bring color and it's going to bring sweetness. Uh, and we're going to go back to that first cocktail we made and saying that the Blue Curacao here is uh, dependent on color. I wouldn't go any farther than an ounce and a half because okay. uh, then you're going to get too sweet and too orangey and the bourbon's going to disappear. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Right, so I'd start with like a, like an ounce, shake it, and then if you need more grenadine, add more grenadine, right? So uh, speaking of grenadine, did I say grenadine too fast there? I think I did because that is, of course, uh, the last thing that we need here to help bring the red in. Uh, and then with the grenadine, you're going to do the same thing. You're just going to add a tiny little touch of grenadine. You're going to shake it, and then if you can adjust the color with either ingredient, right, on the other side, so... Just a little bit here. 
and then we're going to get our ice back, right? We need our ice and our shaker because cold drink, cold drinks taste good. You know, that you said that very offhandedly, but it's actually true. The temperature that a drink is served at absolutely mm. affects the way it, it plays on your palate yeah. and the flavors sure. that come yeah. out. Absolutely. Uh, what A lot of what happens when you make a cold, especially alcohol, is that you lose uh, some of the nose of the drink, right? And that does affect the way that it tastes. But on the other side, you use very assertive flavors so that the nose still comes out, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, at, at the end of the day, there's absolutely a place for cold drinks, a place for room temperature drinks, a place for hot drinks. Mm -hmm. There is an application for every single one of those. And I don't know about you guys, but we strained this, and I think we did a pretty good job of hitting the, nice. the purple. That is and just remember, guys, cool. you might end up with a very, very slightly different shade of purple, depending on the blue cures, how you use the grenadine, how much you use. Right. Uh, uh, just be careful. Again, the blue curacao and the grenadine are very sweet. So you could kind of throw this cocktail a little, little off balance by making it too sweet or not sweet yeah. enough. So okay. start with kind of the base that we have there, uh, which I would say would be an ounce of blue curacao and a half of one of your caps of grenadine and then adjust the color from there. You guys thirsty? Can I send you one of these? Send us yeah, one yeah. of those. Bring it over. Send it over here. Luckily, we've mastered space and time on this podcast. The blue curacao brings such an interesting flavor profile here. Something like bourbon and orange are not normally brought together, but making it a little sweet and bringing some of that orange into the drink really makes a huge difference in the way it drinks. The only time I ever see bourbon and orange paired is in the classic um, old-fashioned preparation. Sure, absolutely. And, but not as a, not as a, as a uh, martini. I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just nuts. I don't like it. I just, I just like to do really crazy things for the sake of, of cocktail science, you know. So there's, there's pretty much nothing I won't mix together at least once. Now the He's powerful. Yeah, I was gonna say the deceptive part of this is it's very smooth, but that's all booze. And it's mostly booze. Yeah, there is, there is an ounce and a splash of, of not alcohol. So this is that's why this goes in a martini glass. That's why this is not a big rocks tall drink. Uh, this is definitely one you would hang out with for a while. And, you know, <clears throat> I agree. It's powerful. It is powerful. powerful. I like it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and very much like the Power Stone and its depiction in Guardians of the Galaxy, this one might be best shared among a couple of people so that the full force of it's not coming down on one person and destroying them. Well, this is an amazingly powerful drink. Uh, yes. I could go down this rabbit hole all evening long. We are going to have to seriously talk about doing a, a separate geek geekery podcast yeah. here. because Oh, that's happening. There's no talking. It's just, we just have to wait for the Rona to go on vacation and then that's, that's, that's that's totally happening. I yeah. love it. Well, Paul, we cannot thank you enough for joining us via Zoom and doing these two cocktails for us. We have two more stones to earn before we have completed our, our gauntlet challenge, and we can't wait to have you back. Two of my favorite discussions. Yes. 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 So. Oh, I can't wait. Answer. Amy's gonna have Amy's gonna have some stuff on the next one. Oh, huh? she's maybe when we get to the soul stone, the, I, we might have we might earn our explicit tag when we get to oh, talking about uh oh uh oh we'll talking about Black ah. Widow, PG thirteen. Amy, oh yeah. you're I'll you're sad about Black Widow, huh? Yeah. Oh my. Are you gosh. disappointed? You were disappointed. So, so disappointed. Still right? mad about it. Are you kidding? But that's for next. Well, you know, week. What, yeah, you know what, Amy? You know what, Amy? Or you know, or you know what uh, Dana and I did when Black Widow dies? Like, yeah, well, we. 
We know. We knew it was going to happen. We, yes, I know. We know. I got it. <laughs> but, but again, comic book dad's not dead. I even think. No, nope, no. Nope. Comic book dad's never dead. No. So with Keep that, telling me that. Well, Paul, thank you again for joining us. We love having you on the show and we will talk to you again next week. Cheers, oh yeah. I'm friend. excited, guys. Have a great one, guys. Cheers. Yep. yep here you go. <laughs> He is, I can't call him Captain Cocktail. I don't know. Captain like, Cocktail uh, may stick. I like co- that. Cocktail wizard, uh, a cocktail expert. I, I don't know. He is the. He is a master distiller and... Mad scientist. Mad scientist who creates some amazing drinks. Well, I can't wait to see what he's got in store for us next week. He is going to be... Featuring the last two beverages to celebrate the last two stones that we have, which is Mm -hmm. the Time Stone and the Soul Stone. And I've heard whispers that there may be a bonus (gasps) Infinity Gauntlet cocktail that he's going to do for us. I hope so. So. I really do. Stay tuned for that. Oh. For now, though, we're going to wrap up this episode and we're going to say, you know, next week... We finish and we earn our final two stones to complete our gauntlet medal. Yes. We have that incredible interview with Metal Chasers, Bill and Christina. And I just can't wait to wrap it up and share it with everybody. Yeah. And we want to say thank you to everybody who has been leaving us ratings and review on Apple Podcasts and on Podbean. I know just in the last week we picked up over 110 new followers just on Podbean alone. Oh. So thank you guys and welcome to the Runcation Nation. Yes. We are very happy to have you. We've also been adding a ton of people uh, following us on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much for that. If you aren't, please do um, drop us a quick like and follow along. Jump in on the conversations for the various things that we're posting there. We Mm -hmm. love having you. But what we would love is if you'd keep those ratings and reviews coming over on Apple Podcasts uh, this week. That would really help us. It helps us get discovered Mm -hmm. and helps grow the Runcation Nation. And we really appreciate it. And we're just so happy that you are liking what we do and supporting us uh right now especially oh mm-hmm. supporting us period but especially right now when that your your humble travel podcast <laughs> can't travel so yes your support right now means the world to us yes so thank you once again for taking us along on your long runs when you are cleaning around the house wherever you are through all this we love you we appreciate you and thanks for listening to this week's episode For now, I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your co-host, Dana. And we will talk to you really soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We're having a great third year because of your support. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Run, Eat, Drink podcast. And on Twitter, we're at Run, Eat, Drink pod. You can also give us a call at 941 677 2733 or shoot us an email at info at net. Visit our website at runeatdrink.net and click on the subscribe link so you don't miss a minute. Accomplish, explore, and indulge right along with us. We'll talk to you next time.